So I want you to imagine you're at the Harvest Crusade, 40,000 people with you, right? Stands are full. Our glory goes up on the platform. He's going to give the gospel message. And right then he asks the whole stadium to stand up. And they all stand up, pull out your wallets. And then there's like the collective groan, right? Oh my gosh, one of these gatherings. <laughs> and uh, they pull out their wallets and he says, open them. And when they open them, you hear this, bu- like this buzz begins to just flutter around the stadium because something totally unexpected had happened. That when they opened their wallets, there wasn't somebody there. <clears throat> Greg Laurie's a big, important man. Come on, pay up. <laughs> there wasn't somebody there doing that. There was, how, how did a couple hundred dollar bills get in here? Like everybody, suddenly there was a plethora of money in their wallets that wasn't there before. And can you imagine what that would look like? But then he begins to talk about Jesus and Jesus as not being someone who's going to just supply you with money all the time. And then these people get upset and like we, you know, made a humor scene in the last part, just like they get up. And they're not coming down to receive Jesus, they're leaving. It would just be crazy to think that that can happen. Like, Greg Laurie just gave you a sign that God's real, maybe. that would I don't know if that would really work. But Jesus does this. He multiplies food for the people. And then 5,000 of them, men and women, so maybe 20,000, right? There's a huge crowd. And he does something miraculous for them. And then as we go through chapter 6, it's, it's simply whittling people down from 5,000 feeding to 12 remaining disciples. That is a massive cutting down. That's, that's laying off disciples left and right. That's recession kind of laying off. That's massive. Like, no one was safe from the axe. Even one of the 12 wasn't safe. And we have to look at that and say, wow, like, how does Jesus have such a massively failed altar call? The Son of God had one of the worst altar calls recorded in history. 12 people out of 20 or so thousand? So, how did this happen? And why is it that so many people are so quick to give up on Jesus? I would suggest to you, based upon our passage, that it's because many of us live on the wrong shore. There are two shores in our passage. The first bread scene takes place on one side of the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus does the miracle. The other bread scene, where he talks about himself being the living bread, happens across the lake. On a different shore. And on each shore, the subject of bread was very different. On the first shore, we have the bread that fills your hungry stomach. The bread that simply sustains your common existence. Or, to use the vernacular we're familiar with in John, it's bios bread. It's sustaining your biological existence. That's necessary. So obviously we're quick to go there and we like that place here on this bios bread shore. We're comfortable. We're familiar. The status quo is sustained because Jesus keeps giving us bread. And so every time a problem comes up, ah, it's solved. And every time we get hungry, ah, we're fed and it's just continual cycle. But the problem is, is that too many times we are relating to Jesus purely on a biological basis. 
God, my relative is being such a jerk. Make them learn their ways. Or maybe you've had a divorce and there's, you know, there's something about that person that you're just mad about. And so much of what goes on with us can be so very superficial. It can be, I need money. Look, again, all these things are important. Bread is important. But they're common things for the biological life. God, I'm not popular enough. I'm not happy with my status at work. The list can go on and on and on of what people are crying to Jesus for on the shores of bios bread. It's as if we are happy on our big, mighty Titanic. But the bios life is going down, isn't it? It doesn't last. So we, when we're here on this shore, we're so busy wanting Jesus to meet our problems and feed us with more bread, more bread. It's like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It might look nice. You know what happens to it. However, we then see in the next scene, they go to the sea and on the boat. And then they get to the other shore, right? And on the other shore, we see Jesus saying, same thing, bread is the same matter. But suddenly, the common bios bread has taken on such a deeper meaning. And now, it's Zoe bread. It's the deep, lasting life begotten of God. Not something sustained by our desire for the status quo. Keep things flowing. Keep them, just keep the boat floating. Rearrange the chairs, please. It's not just that. It's God's deeper life that takes us beneath our problems and beyond our problems. So that no longer are we asking, feed my hungry stomach. But we're realizing that the stomach is but a symptom sometimes of a hungry soul. But the problems in around our life, our desire for a better job status, our desire for bigger paychecks, our desire for a different marriage, these different desires are because underneath all of this, we are hungering for Jesus himself. That there is Zoe bread we have yet to taste. This is a much better, the Zoe shore is a much better Christian existence. It isn't the one that's trying to achieve, to feel better and achieve, to make something of themselves in the world. It's the one that's receiving what Jesus has done and made you to be. It's receiving what he has said you are, that you are worthy, that you don't need your job to give you your status. You have status in my eyes. That's the much, much, much better shore to live on. That's the better bread to be sustained on. And it keeps going. Deep, lasting life. Zoe, eternal life. It's not a cycle of problem-solution. It's a linear direction. Jesus, isn't, Jesus no longer becomes our magician to kind of fix our problems. He now becomes our guide, our shepherd, to take us to a totally different land. To eat from a totally different bread. That is where we want to be. Receiving, believing what he's doing for us. However, it's not as simple as saying, I want that because the disciples themselves said that there in John six, they said, sir, give us this bread always. And then they didn't want it when Jesus was trying to give it to them. It's not that simple. You see, 
the way to get from one shore to the other, from Bios bread to Zoe bread, is you have to cross the stormy sea. There's no other way. You have to cross the stormy sea and there are no shortcuts. Your Titanic has to sink. That temporary bios life that you're rearranging the deck chairs on and trying to make it polish it and make it look better with a little spit shine and you know a little upgrades to this and that this has to sink this this vessel of security this vessel of as long as i get my bread keep the status quo i'm fine that has to sink because that is minimal existence that's just surviving the problem solution wilderness wandering cycle your your titanic has to sink if you're ever to get to the Zoe shore, the Zoe bread, the Zoe life of God, the new creation, that deep, lasting, fulfilling life. We have to be on the boat when the storm hits. We have to be in the moment where we're not sure if we're going to make it. When we just let go of our so-called self-controlled dignity and let our true panicked baby child needing my father self out. And then Jesus comes. It has to be dark. It has to be windy. It has to feel like you're about to go under. You have to be realizing like the passage said, Jesus was not yet there. We have to be at the place where the safe, secure, quick and easy answer kind of theology in Christianity suddenly doesn't work. We have to be at the end of ourselves. That's the stormy sea. And that's where we have to go to get to the Zoe bread shore. To realize that the life of God, the, the bread of life, is all we need. We don't want to go there. The minute we step our foot in the boat, and aye, the cloud looks a little dark, we take our foot out. And we go back to Jesus. Hey, make us bread. We have to be willing to go. Because when you go, you learn two things very quickly. First, that Jesus is very slow at solving your problems. <laughs> right? <laughs> They're on the boat and it says they rode for three to four miles. And he says, Jesus had not yet come to them yet. And it's like, all right, Jesus. It would be nice to have an extra pair of arms on these oars. You know, he's very slow to solve our problems. You learn that on the stormy sea. So suddenly, he's not just your problem solver. And that leads you to your second lesson on the stormy sea, is that Jesus is so frighteningly more than just a problem solver. Frighteningly more. Here he comes walking on the waves. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> and they are terrified, quite naturally so. That's what we learn. He is so much more than you ever asked him to be. He's not tame, but he is safe. To quote C.S. Lewis. So, in, uh, the, the, I said you learned two things. You actually learned three things. And the third is our answer. Why did Jesus have such a horrible altar call? Why do so many people give up on him too quickly? Because the difference between the 5,000 that were fed and the 12 that stayed with Jesus was not that they were listening to a Zoe sermon. Ooh, the bread of life. The difference was that the 12 went on the stormy sea and the 5,000 did not. 
we have a lot of needs on this mountain. Lots of needs. But let's boil it down to very literally the need here in our text. Hunger. Now, there are hungry people. We may not have a lot of starving people up here, but we have people that would love to have a hot meal. And this is the beauty of what Sunday night Bible study has. Is we have a free meal supported by the generous tithing of those that have enough for anybody. Anybody can come and have bios bread. Shore one is over there in the other room. Shore two is over here where we talk about the bread of life. And we receive him, we believe him, we eat him. And we do that as we're going to very shortly with communion. And that is a great meal. However, I suspect that deep down inside, we don't like it when people come to eat the bio spread, but skip out on the Zoe bread. And oh, you've seen them. I know you guys watch people judgmentally. I mean, let's be honest, we're human beings. Even your pastors are humans, and we've once had a chat about it. What do we do about the dinner folk that don't go to church? (laughs) You know, I mean, it just had to be brought up. We're humans. Well, look, Jesus had to deal with that too, apparently. 5,000 plus their families wanting his bios bread. Then they come and like, the 12 can hear that, you know? But listen... Is there something wrong with that? No. In our hearts, you say, yes, they need to earn their meal. (laughs) I mean, come on. It's a church. At least go to the service to be polite for crying out loud. (laughs) Now, I'm so sorry if someone in here is feeling really uncomfortable because you did this once. You skipped out. You came for dinner and like, (laughs) I'm so sorry. You'll hear in a minute that I'm not picking on you at all. Uh, but you're like, come on, at least earn it. And then you're like, wait a minute. And Jesus kind of said, just believe. He didn't ask us to earn it. Right. And so right there, we think that our theology is proper, but then we don't actually practice it very well. Um, Jesus said to the disciples, right? Have them sit down. There's plenty of grass. I don't know if you noticed, but I mean, we don't have to just eat food in that room. There's plenty of grass here. Not literally. There's not much grass, but there's plenty of space, (laughs) plenty of space. But, but Philip asks, like, uh, there's not enough money that could ever feed everybody that wants bread. But Jesus didn't seem to see that as a problem. The bread happened. It came And I really believe that if we ever went crazy enough to invite every single person who we thought just might want to have a nice meal with people, we would have enough food. (laughs) I mean, that is, look, it's sustained by those who are generous with their tithes. That's a reality. But as long as that keeps happening, we have, we have enough to feed more people. We are nowhere near maxing out, you know, if we want to talk about food budget, like we could feed more. And anyways, we could feed more. But here's the problem. We are a message oriented people. 
we have a mission and it's message oriented, which always leads to conversion results, right? So we go around, we're like, okay, this is the message, folk. You're a sinner. Jesus died for you. Believe on him, get eternal life, go to heaven. Yay. Do you believe, right? That's what we do. It's message oriented. And we see it all the time. Not a bad model, but we like, again, just since we're talking about a lot, the harvest crusade, right? So that's what the whole thing is. It's message oriented. Come make a decision now. Conversion time. We're about conversion. Jesus, well, he did a different kind of conversion in this story. Uh, But what we see Jesus about is not, very clearly, he's not message-oriented, conversion-oriented. He has a message. That's important. Don't leave that out. But he's mercy-oriented. The whole thing kicks off with him seeing hunger and need. And he addresses that. Mercy-oriented missions lead to blessing results if i'm mercy oriented i'm not going to bring people to a meal and say all right now what do you think about jesus and try to pressure them into some sort of instant god moment i am instead happy to see they're blessed with the meal and i'm content jesus didn't corner these five thousand; they came to him right his whole bread of life sermon was because they came looking for him he just fed them here we get troubled because we're like okay so let's say we feed five thousand let's feed them let's do this and then only 12 of them ever want to know jesus this is such a waste of money such a waste of time it's not right and all this stuff we can have this dialogue right but you know what i realized is all those people as many as you would ever invite They may come and eat and may never stay for church. That is a very realistic probability. Very realistic. That may happen. But you know why that will happen? Because they hadn't hit their stormy sea yet. And when they do, wouldn't it be nice to know that they at least knew who was willing to give them bread? When they hit their stormy sea, don't you think they'll know who to turn to then? They will be ready then. We don't have to draw people to Jesus. He said the Father does that business, right? However we translate or interpret that verse. I just see this pressure's off of me. My goal in life is to bless human beings because Jesus blessed me. I don't have to convert anybody. In fact, you may notice, and I've been criticized for this, I don't do altar calls it's not that I don't believe in them. I think that it's sometimes good to bring someone to a you know, momentary decision. But I just don't see it my business to know who I've converted, how many, and that they need to do it right now. I, I believe full-heartedly that conversions are happening all the time that I'm unaware of. Even in Christians. You can be on the bio shore and somewhere, somewhere just make it to the Zoe shore. That's a conversion. That's a movement. It's a transition. Anyways, I'm ranting, so I got to get back. Um, so we can have the mentality, I'm asking, I'm inviting. No, I'm not. I'm commissioning. I'm telling. Go feed 5,000. I don't have the means. It's right here. You have the means. I think that we have an outreach opportunity um, uh, to, to use what Mike's been, Mike Beavers has been trying to get us to be as a community more missional. In other words, just bringing missions here where we are. I think we have a tremendous built-in opportunity right in this building. And I don't think we're utilizing it enough. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you, don't even bother showing up next week unless you have somebody with you. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. (laughs) All of you are just going to like, I brought my husband. He comes every week. Well, he doesn't always want to. (laughs) Uh, um, So, for starts, we have this bulletin. Right? You may not always need it yourself. You're like, I know what's happening on Thursdays. I know John 7 and 8 next week. I know all that. Uh, you might, that's great. But on the back, it's a wonderful little synopsis of what we believe, what we're about. And there's there's a little thing with, it's, it's the address and the phone number. And it's got a picture, so you can't miss it. Right? I mean, I didn't initially think of this when I made this in the first place, but I just kind of looked at it and said, oh, yeah, it's kind of what it is. This is an invitation. Uh, so, hey, uh, I noticed as you pulled up to the grocery store, well, you don't have to say this, but you're thinking in your head, right? Your inner dialogue. And this is a person pulled up to the grocery store that their car is like, having problems. It's, um, a woman, maybe she doesn't even have a husband. I don't know. She might benefit from a free meal. And you know what? Nonetheless, who would hate me for inviting him to a free dinner? So I'm just going to do this. Like, hey, uh, something... There you go. This address, like, there's a free meal. Like, I just thought that you might want to know that. You do not, listen, don't think you're failing God if you fail to say there's a church service after it. Not everybody's ready for that. The, the masses were ready for the bread Jesus gave them. And it will be when they hit their stormy shore that they'll be ready for the bread of life. Please, let's stop thinking that I'm not going to do because I don't want to pressure people. Anything. Don't, just people. Jesus wants to feed 5,000. Just invite people to eat bread. And you know what could happen just being in the company of Christians? What could happen? We don't have to force anything. They might want to know what we're about. And when they hit the storm, we see, like, I, know, I know these people have something I don't. I want to go stay for the second part of their dinner thing. Let's use the method of invitation. Okay? We need to be sensitive to the spirit who he's putting on our heart. And again, this isn't weird. Like you don't have to give them the four spiritual laws, tell them the whole gospel message, just invite them to eat bread. 